welcome to Let's Talk Church. I'm Brian. And I'm Matt. We're here to talk about all that is going on in the church world. In this podcast, we find blog posts, articles, and vicious rumors about the church world, and we talk about it. All right, Matt, let's do it. Let's talk church. Yeah, so Matt, we're uh, we're talking about something more in uh, uh, my wheelhouse from from article standpoint. Uh, we're talking about something from the Orthodox Christian Network tonight. What do you th- what do you think about uh, uh, what do you think about that? Just as a as a whole, switching from Christianity Today or Christian headlines or something like that that's more evangelical. Well, in this particular article. I want to know how much stock this man owns in the thesaurus company. Because <laughs> it appears that he wrote this while he was in seminary. And his professor told him, you need to be sure you're using uh, lots of variety in language. Um, definitely uh, a challenge to read this article without looking up some words. And I don't mean the cultural words. There's going to be some of that, especially with Orthodox articles, right? Right, right. Uh, right. You know, his name alone is kind of difficult to <laughs> understand. And, and that's cool. You know, that's a culture thing. You're going to see a lot of Greek stuff and things like that. But just right. in general, the article, man, this dude just, he took what I think is a fairly simple thing that he's talking about, and he wrote and wrote and wrote about it. I think that about a lot of things. Saying all that. <laughs> I do see what he's talking about, and I'm surprised to see him use such logic to approach such emotion. So you want to tell us what the article's about? Yeah, so this this article is How to Recognize the Authentic Christian Experience um, in the Orthodox Christian Network blog or whatever you want to call it. I don't really think it's a blog. Uh, but it's Metropolitan Nikolaos of Mesogaya and Lavrio Tiki uh, who wrote it uh, just from July. So fairly recent. Um, he, he digs in to the call of the three disciples at the end of the first chapter of the gospel according to St. John. Uh, so Andrew, Philip, and Nathaniel. Uh, he digs into them. It's, it's written, I would say it's written as uh, probably like it was a potential homily, right, that he was kind of working through and then expanded it, uh, much like C.S. Lewis did with Mere Christianity. You know, it was, uh, it was a bunch of radio talks that he just took and reformatted it into a book, or in his case, four books. Uh, and I think that's that's potentially kind of what was happening here, um, as um, as he as he just started writing, it just kind of turned into more. And it may have even been a homily at one point uh, that he just converted. So it's a like Matt said, it's a it's a pretty theologically deep article. Uh, not as deep as some of the articles that I've read on on their page. Uh, some of them that I've read that I've linked to, we've decided let's just not talk about that one because uh, they're just so much. Uh, but this one, this one was pretty good. I, I definitely would recommend taking the time to read it one day. I agree, and this is 
while it does use lots of words in the thesaurus, uh, it is small enough that you could sit down and read it and process it. And that's, let me add right. some, cor not correction, let me add some context to what you're talking about, us not talking about some articles. It's because, not because we don't want to talk about difficult subjects per se, but it's going to require a lot more conversation than we want to put in this podcast because we don't right. want to be talking for four hours about something, <laughs> which we could do. Right. And if y'all want that, send us some emails. We'll be happy to talk for four hours. Absolutely. But I'm guessing they don't want that from us. Yeah, and and this is this is not our theology podcast, right? This is just talking about the, good the point. things that are going on. You know, uh, but again, this article right, is... for the listeners. <laughs> you want a theology podcast let us know uh, <laughs> but this article i mean this article he takes a piece of scripture and breaks it down and discusses it now right, he adds some, good application some other things to that and i don't i don't really mean to use the word add but he while he's discussing it he also discusses um he mentions uh, a note on the feast of saint andrew he, mm -hmm. he mentions the the fathers in general, um, you know, in that context, talking about the same thing. So I'll, I'll let you go on to the article and kind of break it down here. But uh, he, he really breaks into this. I mean, I could see somebody using this as a as a as a study on this, you know. Yeah, it, it would definitely be an interesting topic to write a study on. Right. Uh, and to take this kind of approach uh he he pulls out uh three immediate um responses from andrew philip and nathaniel as recognizable features of the authentic experience of of christ uh the first being uh, the feeling of god's god's call and the spontaneous response to it right it's it's important that we include both of those there uh, that it's not just hearing God's call as part of uh, the Christian experience, but the actual spontaneous, authentic response. Um, the second was further on down. I'm having to scroll to it. Well, Matt, what was the second one? I... You're talking about the three responses? Yeah. We found the Messiah. We found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus. And then you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Right. I think right. he's contrasting okay. that all three of those are, they're different well, words, but they're kind of the same response. Right. Well, he's, he's pointing out that those three responses are a spontaneous response to Christ calling out. Right. Um, they're they're claiming immediately that Jesus is divine, right? That there is a divine response or a divine person calling them, um, which is what he talks about in the the second authentic experience or second feature is that the pain of the soul and inner longing and anticipation um, of the coming of Christ, right? So in the case of these three, right, he's, he's claiming, right, and I would say rightly so, that these three individuals were 
fully anticipating, fully expecting Christ the Messiah to come, right? All of the prophecies up to this point had pointed to Christ is coming, right? Uh, John the Baptist had been proclaiming Christ is coming, right? So there's a deep longing for that Christ, right? For that coming of Christ. Well, and you mentioned John the Baptist. Someone should mention, was it two or all three of them were actually disciples of John first? I know that it's two of them. Nathaniel was not, but I, I think it might have even just been Philip, but it might have been Andrew and Philip. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was just Andrew and Philip. Nathaniel was not because he was, Nathaniel is the one that uh, Philip had ran to and said, hey, we found him, come and see, right? And he was sleeping under the fig tree, right? Whereas Andrew and Philip had been with John the Baptist and were fully anticipating him. Um, the third, the third feature that he he draws out is that going and telling others, right? Jesus has come. Jesus is here, right? So that evangelistic attitude, that evangelistic mentality, um, would be the third key feature that he draws out here. Um, and finally, he he does point out, you know, uh, a fourth doesn't seem to be as uh, strongly worded, strongly, uh, there's a, there's a, a term that I, I would like to use, but it's just not coming to me. Uh, and that's that all three of these were martyred, right? They were a key feature of, of the Christian life is preparation to suffer, right? Uh, these three were martyred, and he even writes that as easily as they turn to Christ, right, the immediate response, they easily went to the death for him, right? And that's something that the true authentic Christian experience should uh, prepare us for. Do you think martyrdom needs to be suffering per se? Um. Should you prepare to be suffer? Should you expect suffering in order to have an authentic Christian experience? And the way he words that together, it makes me think about that. I'm like, so do I need to expect suffering to have an authentic Christian experience? And if I don't expect suffering, is it not authentic? Well, you have to, you have to remember, you know, Jesus's words were, you will suffer because of me. Right. I think part of our, uh, Western mindset is that suffering is always physical, right? That there's always well, some sort of physical connection to suffering. I mean, it was quite physical for these three. Uh, right. Um, but suffering can also be emotional. You know, can be spiritual, right? As, as we repent day by day and turn towards Christ, and give up the things in life that we think make us happy, right? We're going to emotionally suffer for that, right? It's going to happen until 
for lack of a better term, the withdrawals stop, right? Because we're addicted to sin. Like the as we as we let it go, do what? Look at the heroin addiction or something. Right. Exactly. You know. I mean, it's it it is what it is, right? It's it's a problem, and as we turn it over to Christ, it's going to hurt, right? Whether physically or just emotionally. So I think as the authentic experience, yeah, we should be fully prepared to suffer, even if it's preparation to, you know, to not do whatever, right? Uh, it's hard to think of just something off the top of my, top of my head that, uh, that would cause suffering. Um, so yeah, I think an expectation to suffer, not necessarily suffering, right? Be a Although, willingness to suffer. Right. That's well, what I think. I mean, if you're if you're willing to suffer, then you're expecting to suffer. Because mm, if you're not expecting okay. to, you wouldn't be willing to. Yeah. Right. Okay. I could buy that. So and I know last week we talked this... about semantics, but <laughs> well, and this this is all about semantics, especially when you try to make a bold claim about the authentic Christian experience, you know. Um. And so as he makes this claim, the first thing I think about when I think about the authentic Christian experience, when I hear those words, and this is such a churchy answer, I would, I would almost make fun of somebody else who said this, but I'm going to say it anyway, <laughs> is the authentic Christian experience, the first thing I think of is the conversion of Paul. Um, and it helps that in my small group today, we discussed this um, a little bit about Paul's conversion. Um, so if we're going to use these standards that he's put forth in this article to say, what is the authentic Christian experience? How would Paul's conversion live up to these points, to these, these, these steps? I would say that he meets them a hundred percent. The very first one being that spontaneous response to the divine call. Right? So he's I mean, in that road to, to Damascus, and then all of a sudden, bam, he's blinded. Absolutely. And, and he hears the his first voice, thing right? he says, yeah, the very first thing he says is, who are you, Lord? Right? He immediately recognized the divinity that was standing in front of him. Right? Uh, the second one, the pain and inner longing and anticipation. He was a Pharisee. That's what they were doing. Right? They were longing for Christ. Right? The whole point of Pharisaism was we have to purify Israel so that Christ will come, right? Um, so that's absolutely what he was doing. And that's why he was per persecuting the church so badly, because he felt that they were going against, I, I say he felt, we can presume that he felt, you know, that these were people that were preventing the Messiah from coming. Right, because they weren't following the law as he understood it. Uh, the third was obviously the uh, willingness to share. Paul did quite a bit of that. Uh, and was willing bit. to suffer. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, and he, you know, obviously was willing to suffer. I mean, he even said so. Well, let's talk about yeah. that suffering a little bit. So Paul also was martyred. 
Yep. But Paul very famously talked about a thorn in his side, right? And we don't really know what that thorn was, but he very famously talked about how he was suffering, basically. Right. Paul yep. was a very prominent Pharisee. Mm-hmm. So it would be easy to surmise that he would be wealthy, well-off, had friends where he went, things like that. But whenever he got converted and he became a Christian, he wasn't always wealthy and well-off. Paul had to kind of go around from place to place and try to figure out a way to make a living as he was preaching. Yep. He didn't so live off of four. a bunch of uh, donations and all that. He wasn't a celebrity pastor and didn't have jets back <laughs> right. to fly around on. So there was some suffering that came with that. I, I, I can just imagine, and I'm definitely imagining because the Bible doesn't tell us clearly that, well, it, it does mention a few times where Paul was in some pretty bad situations in prisons and things, you know? Mm-hmm. I can just imagine yeah. Paul lived a fairly homeless life. He definitely did some couch surfing or whatever they called couches back then. <laughs> right. Uh, floor surfing or something, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I agree with you. I think that if we were to use this as the standard of what is an authentic Christian experience, then Paul's conversion would also do it. Now, mm-hmm. let me get uh, let me get just real personal here. Would your Uh-oh. conversion match this? I think. Prior to a recent revelation, right? We'll we'll put it that way. Recent understandings. No, I, I don't think that it would have. I don't think that the authentic Christian experience was my life. Uh, I think now as I exactly what Christianity is supposed to be and is uh, both communally and individually I think these particular pieces um, have become more ingrained in my life yes okay so the first feature would be the feeling of God's call and the spontaneous response to it can you recall that do you do you, do you feel like you've experienced that part? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, that's that, and and that's the point, right? And to kind of throw it back your direction, you know, as a very conservative Baptist growing up, that was the authentic Christian law. Right, that was the extent of it. Right, is can you remember this happening? If so, then you're good. You're a Christian. You're set. Life is all roses from here. Uh, whether or I've not, definitely heard they, arguments for and against using that kind of language to discuss right. that. I've, I've, in general, been a part of churches who would use that language and say, "Look, if you're saved, you need to remember when you were saved. If you can't remember, if well, I think I was saved as a kid." something happened, if it wasn't a, a, a dramatic event in your life that you can recall, then maybe it isn't authentic. Right. There's, I know other yep. churches who would not take such a hard line and be like, do you love Jesus? Yes. 
Do you follow Jesus? Do you uh-huh. want to do what Jesus tells you to do? Yes. Okay, you're saved. And I think there's right. a difference in those two things. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and this uh, inner longing and anticipation, uh, and he says what the fathers called the devouring of the soul. Absolutely. As as I have dug in more and more, and just like as we're as we're doing uh, these podcasts, yeah, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm I'm thinking and I'm meditating on on Christ, and I'm just like, "Come, Lord, let's go!" Right? Um, it is a much deeper longing. It's not just the yeah, it's going to happen. I want it to happen soon. Right? It's a like he says, a devouring of the soul. Right? I, don't want, I, I don't want to get us off topic, but I got to bring this right. up. So this is a classic uh, argument right here. So we need community. We mm-hmm. need fellowship. This is why yeah. the church is so important. Because you just said, because we're doing these podcasts, you've been thinking about these things. Now, I'll mention that the viewers probably know that you are also in seminary. <laughs> just recently acquired a seminary degree and et cetera, et cetera. Um, So you've kind of been thinking about these things anyway, but us discussing things does make you think of something. And same for me. Um, I recently joined a new church and while we have big church and service and our pastor preaches the gospel, and that's great. What really uh, makes me think about spiritual things, it makes me want to long more to learn more about Jesus and be more around Jesus type thing and get closer to Jesus is, is is our small group where we study things like this and we discuss these things and we kind of go back and forth and everybody doesn't agree and it's awesome, you know? That right. makes me in general in my life get closer, just like you were describing. So that is the argument of why we cannot forsake the fellowship and why we have to go to church. Um, church can take many forms, sure, but you need church. It's part of the, it's part of the whole thing. You're, you're not going right. to keep the relationship up without it. And I, I get on a whole trail on that, but as the, I think say, the, go ahead. The, the Orthodox church, I, obviously I'm not officially Orthodox and I'm not, you know, blessed by the Bishop to speak for the Orthodox church, but many of the priests that I listen to their podcasts and everything else that they do, many of them, if not all of them at some point, remind the listener no one is saved alone right it's always a part of the community we're saved together and if we're working together and growing together we're repenting together it's all about community and i i'll absolutely love that there is no lone ranger christian I would agree in principle, but again, those words just scare me. That no one's saved alone. You and your Baptist theology. <laughs> but yeah, you know, but the, the whole point of it is that, you know, we all hold each other accountable, right? It is that, that community aspect. You know, you're not a lone ranger Christian. If you're doing it by yourself, you're doing it wrong. That I agree with completely. Yeah. And that, that's the whole point of, of what, they're, what they're trying to say. Um, next was 
this is one that I've always struggled with. And I think now that we've, we've honestly, again, you know, it comes back to this podcast and the things that we're doing here and trying to do, I think it's becoming more and more front of mind for me. Uh, you know, even growing up in a, a Baptist church where every other Sunday was a mission Sunday of some type, right? Uh, that never brought evangelism home, right? It never took root. Honestly, in many of the other youth and young people in those in that church, evangelism never took root, right? It was just always something that we did this Sunday and then, you know, went on about our lives. Um, but sitting here doing this podcast, I feel like many of the, the topics that we're discussing is evangelistic in nature, right? Um, I'm hoping that people would be willing to share some of these things with their non-believer or semi-believer friends and and they would grow from it. Um, but I, I do still struggle with the walking up to a stranger and trying to share, you know, the, the gospel. Even the gospel as, as I know it now, that it's much deeper than the Baptist faith and message proclaims it to be. Um, and then finally, preparation to suffer, absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that the Orthodox and myself included, you know, fast during the week, right, on different days, right? It's asceticism. It's giving up worldly goods with the intention of spiritual growth, um, which is a form of suffering. What about you? I can tell you that evangelism did not come to me very fast. I was saved, believed in Jesus, decided to follow Jesus, however you want to word it. It was a very much a event I could tell you exactly about. I can't tell you the date and time. It was a Sunday morning, um, but I could tell you what the sun felt like on the side of my face as it shined in the window there as I stood at the pew. So it was that kind of locked into my brain type thing, you know? Right. And to me, it was a very logical thing that became a spiritual thing. When I logically understood that I was a sinner in need of grace, that I was in need of saving, it was easier to answer the call from Jesus. And I believe very much that I was called by Jesus. Um, I'm not always real comfortable with seemingly wishy-washy spiritual type things but this was not a wishy-washy feeling by any means this was a divine encounter um right that i had uh, very much a calling and it was not the first time that i had been called but it was the first time that i said yes and the first time i don't mean said yes to the pastor but said yes to jesus it was the first right. time that I understood what was actually happening, and it wasn't just uncomfortable. I've been uncomfortable in church many a times. Right. You know what I mean? But then the other thing about the evangelism, 
I did not immediately say, I got to tell other people about this. Now I've seen other people that has very much been their case. And mm-hmm. I almost envy that it was later on a couple of years later on before I had another divine encounter right? and surrender to Jesus and then the evangelism. And it became much easier. I can't just talk to strangers all the time. I go back and forth between being an extrovert and an introvert. <laughs> and people. You know right. Yep. There are other times, there are times I can walk in a room, shake everybody's hand. Hey, how you doing? Work the whole room and be great. And there are other times I can't make myself look at people in the eye. Right. You know, and I don't understand it. That's an anxiety thing and probably some mental issues or something. But <laughs> I can tell you this, there has been many a people that I've talked to about Jesus. I generally right. do not take the approach of just telling a stranger about Jesus. But let me tell you what, a stranger will sure enough come to me. It's happened so many times. And all of a sudden they're talking about Jesus and I have no idea why they're talking to me about it. I don't mean trying to tell me that I should be saved, but they're telling me why they need Jesus basically. And, right. and I feel like sometimes I'm just standing there. I'm just listening. You, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I, I generally logically try to take the, the salesman approach, you know, I try to befriend somebody <laughs> and I don't know if they know Jesus is savior or not. So I got to, find that out. And I generally find that out over time. I don't generally, I'm not, I'm not that guy that is in all those videos. I forget his name that walks through and goes to the 10 commandments with somebody and says, well, you're a sinner. Then you need to be saved. He's not wrong, but that's definitely not the type of evangelism that I've ever been a part of and probably won't right. be. But I hate to right. say the words I definitely won't be because the Lord has put me in some situations sometimes that I never thought I would be in. Um, put me in places of leadership to be able to influence people sometimes that I never asked for and never thought I would be in. Evangelism is important to me. Um, and I try to take the opportunity whenever it's presented to me. Just this last mm-hmm. week, I got to share with somebody about Jesus and why Jesus is important. Did they make a decision right that moment? No, not in this case. There have been other cases where they have. But they're the ones who asked me the questions and started the talk, and I guarantee you we'll have some more talks about it, you know? Right. Um, I think that's a divine thing, and the Lord has put those in, in my path more than once. So, but I do note that that, didn't, that did not come about until much after my conversion. Um, right. As for suffering, yeah, you know, I, I hate to say I've suffered for Christ, when I live in the United States of America, right. I am very well upper middle class at this point in life. I drive a nice new new car. I, I live in a rental house, but it's a very nice rental house. I have a lot of worldly things. And I even spiritually, I'm in an all right place right now. You know, I'm not in any persecution for real. Any persecution I have had is is cultural or almost political sometimes. It just seems insignificant when I see such greater persecution that others have had. So I hate to say that I've really suffered much. But that's not to say that I've never been put out or had some sort of negative effect because of my my faith. Um, In our culture, it's not really looked upon to be a real follower of Jesus. And so there are some social situations I've not been able to be a part of because 
people assume I wouldn't be, or they don't want to be around the Christian guy or something like that. But again, I hate to even complain about those things of suffering when there are people in Afghanistan dying because they're Christians, you know? Well, Uh, well, let me ask you, let me ask you this and, and you can refuse to answer if you so choose. Um, I refuse. Okay. Uh, (laughs) the, The mark of the authentic Christian experience is not suffering willingness it's a willingness to suffer that's that's where the real rubber meets the road right because we can go through and we can say oh yeah i didn't get to go to this party i didn't get to do this and so i suffered for jesus right but if it were to come down to it are you willing to go to the cross well i tell you I very much have an order about my life that I try to uphold. Mm-hmm. And the order is, is Jesus first. Okay? My family is right. second. Yep. And then others and then self, right? And I try right. real hard to do that. And, of course, our flesh wants to put self first. But I noted very important there that I put Jesus before my own family. That's before mm-hmm. my blood family. That's before my family that my wife and I have. Uh, come together. I rank my my wife before my child. Um, a lot of people wouldn't do that, but I believe that's the the right order for that. But before both of them is Jesus, and right. my wife I know very much holds to that same belief, and it's important that we know that before we get married. FYI, to the <laughs> right. podcast. Yep. Um. So yes, I would be willing. That's. I was going to say that that's the key there is is to be willing to go all the way right now like you said we live in America you know the likelihood of that happening in our lives is slim but growing right um, it's always a possibility so I think um, yeah I, I really like this article um, I think I've read it I don't know, a dozen times um, just because it's for, you know, Matt, for the listeners, jokes about it being written by a guy with a thesaurus. It's really not. It's written like just about every other Orthodox article out there. Uh, <laughs> it's just, but, it's very well. But you well, have to admit, it's on a college level vocabulary. It is. It Your is average very fifth grade reader could not understand this article average yes avery could understand it um but come on now avery is not average by any means right right yeah he just he just finished the hobbit in two weeks um i should mention for the for the listeners that that is one of one of (laughs) brian's sons (laughs) yes uh he started the first lord of the rings and he's already halfway done with it but listen Uh, to this the authenticity of the experience isn't identified with any grandiose expression or exaggerated sensationalism sudden shock surprise or worldly admiration that's a lot of big words now i'm not saying he shouldn't write in big words the big words are going to reach some people and let me let me bring that up so i had an old pastor friend of mine one time who was telling me about evangelism and he was talking to me about methods that he uses to tell strangers about Jesus. And one of the methods, he said, look, if you're talking to an older person, they may not know Jesus, but they knew American religion as we used to have it. It used to be the thing in America that everybody went to church. I don't think it was ever the thing in America that everybody knew Jesus. 
okay? But everybody went to church. And because of that, when you're talking to an older person and you're trying to tell them about Jesus and you're trying to witness to them, it is often useful to use the King James Version Bible because they often respect that because they've been brought up their whole lives that that is godly talk. That's divine language. Even though none of us speak the King James English in there, right? The old English. Right. We've been taught that that language is is divine or is spiritual or is important to listen to. So you, you, you use that version and you use that language to share, share with them because they're already seeing value in it because of the language you use. Mm-hmm. So I am joking about the thesaurus thing, but I am serious that you've got to take when you write something like this and figure out who your audience is. The right. audience this guy is writing to is not your average Joe. And that is one of the things that I think is wrong. I think we should write a lot more things to our average Joe if we're trying to teach things. This is obviously going to be written to somebody who's going to already have to have studied a long time about a lot of stuff. And I think your average person isn't going to be there. I I think this was written to the average person. But we have to remember this comes from originally from Pemtusia. Right, which is a Greek website, and it's been translated into English. Uh, so I think there's probably some challenge there, but I think I think this was written to the average Orthodox reader, right? Because much of this, you know, I mean, you mentioned in the beginning that he references the Synaxari with uh, Saint Andrew's feast. Um, this is stuff that is ingrained in the liturgy, right? It's, it's part of it, right? So this is common knowledge things for the common person. Uh, I think it's not common knowledge, not common understanding. We'll put it that way for the non-Orthodox, right? Which makes it, you have to take a step back and, and think through things. But for the Orthodox, I would say this is pretty generic. I mean, even even with the larger words and the the order of some of the phrasing, I think a lot of that comes from the Greek. But um, are you sure it's translated from Greek? I know there is Greek on their website. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, it's an accessible website. If you if you look at pemtusia.com, it's the English version of the website that's pemtusia.gr, which is Greece. Um, and I don't read modern Greek enough to find this article again in the Greek to scroll down and find it. But yeah, I was trying to do that. I switched it to the Greek and I was trying to find the article in the Greek. And yeah, I did not. Yeah, I mean, I I could probably search it up, but. That would be something we should do in show prep, not while we're talking. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I think this is pretty, pretty basic, in my opinion, just based on some of the, the questions and conversations that I've had and seen with quote unquote normal Orthodox people. Well, I think that would still be that's still a fairly small subset of people though. Yeah, you know I'm saying? saying just 
But that's right. his audience, yeah. right? He's writing towards mm-hmm. his audience. And that's exactly what I was right. saying. You would write different yeah. ways for the audience you're written to. This is obviously not written towards the audience that I'm discussing. Yeah, no. If if I if I were to take this same article and rewrite it for the common evangelical, right? I, I wouldn't have written it in this way. Well, even then, I would probably complain about how it was written because then you got to use a lot of flurry church words. Right. Yep. No. <laughs> so, no, I for the for the listeners, I say go and find this article and read it. Uh, yeah, let we'll us put know it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, I I think it's a great article. It's definitely worth reading through. Sometimes, if if some things don't immediately click, uh, read through it and and glean something good from it. Let it let it benefit you spiritually. I think it is a useful exercise to examine yourself and say, well, does my conversion experience mm-hmm. look like this? Right. Meeting this this author's definition, would this be a, an authentic Christian experience? And if not, why not? If right. so, why so, right? Just like me yep. and you just did here where I asked you about yours and you asked me and we went mm-hmm. back and forth a little bit. I think that is a useful thing, a useful reflection. And it wouldn't take all that long to kind of think through those things. That's a, that's a useful thing. Right. Yeah. Any Anything that benefits you spiritually is good. Right. Uh, so even if you're not orthodox, right, like like you're not orthodox, you know, uh, the way you and I talk, some days I wonder you're, the, you're pretty far from orthodoxy. Uh, but as far as Eastern orthodoxy, not orthodox belief, but. Um, you know, you've gleaned something from this, right? Uh, anyone can get something out of this and it benefit them. And that's a good thing, in my opinion. Any uh, final thoughts about this article? No, no. Other than just go and read it for yourself and let us know what you think. All right. Well, folks, I think uh, that pretty much sums it up. I'll put the... Uh link to the article here in the show notes and hopefully we'll be seeing you soon uh let me add a a quick note about apple Podcasts. so uh we've not yet made it to apple Podcasts. i've uh opened a support ticket with anchor where we used to make our podcast and they have uh assured me they're working on that there was a glitch in our submission apparently it didn't have anything to do with us but with them and they're working on that so i'm hoping uh we got the Apple podcast and we'll start talking some more about that when that happens. Uh, we'd love to see some, uh, some good reviews there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, All thank right. you, Matt. It's, it's been fun. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, let's end the, in the podcast right here.